Hey, what up? It's Eric. It is the Incredible Halt podcast. And uh, this time of year, I'm excited to do this project that we have done for the last three years with McDonald's uh, talking about Black History Month. And so on this episode, we sat down with my friend Julian Newman, talked a lot about movies and talked about the church and how the church relates to culture and race. And I'm excited for you to check this one out. This is the first episode of the McDonald's podcast for Black History Month. Enjoy. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Often raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Julian, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. So we are uh, celebrating Black History Month yes. all February long mm-hmm. with the team from McDonald's. And um, as we're recording this, you just spent the morning at Rockford High School yes. here in West Michigan. Yeah. And you know, I kind of want to start there because mm-hmm. that's the work that you've been doing since mm-hmm. really last we spoke. Is you've mm-hmm. been traveling around talking to people about race yeah. and culture mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But what's fascinating with the work that you did this morning, right, is that they're in a different universe, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're influenced by their peers mm-hmm. and they're certainly influenced from above. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to start there with how, how do these events go? How was this morning and kind of what are you telling them when you walk into rooms like that? Well, we just talked, well, first of all, when you come into something like that in, in, um, you know, Rockford is a part of West Michigan that would probably not be categorized as being, incredibly diverse sure um and so the students reflect that and not just in terms of the populace or the attendance of the students themselves but the perspectives that they have and so for the kids of color that are there um there there are times where you know you don't want to feel like the oddball you don't want to feel like the outcast Uh, you don't want to be the only one that maybe has a different a differing perspective than the, you know some of your other classmates. So one of the things I do in a setting like that, because uh, I'm sure there are not many African-American men that come in to talk to them, is I wanna establish a relationship. And so I want to get outside of the fact that, hey, here's the black guy coming here. I want this to be a friend. And so a lot of times I'll start out with a funny story that relates to some degree of what I'm trying to talk about. And so today we talked about you know, pers- perspective and perception. And so um, I shared two concepts with them to get started with. One was the principle of two truths. So we live in a time of polarization where one truth, um, if it's true, is in conflict with the other, then that one is automatically false. Well, that isn't necessarily true. Two things can be true at the same time. Um, I can um, you know, believe that there's uh, systemic discrimination and racism in my society without, and also at the same time acknowledging that truth and also taking personal responsibility for what I have to do. So um, I can believe that there's um, police officers that are amazing. And at the same time recognize that in some cases, police brutality and discrimination happens um, in our criminal justice system um, can be skewed racially. So we can, so we talked about those things. And then another thing we talked about is the specific and the transcendent. So a lot of times we look at our problems, whether it be societal, national, um, even from a family standpoint, where the problem feels so big that I can't do anything about it. 
And um, because it's so big, I won't do the little things to maybe adjust the big thing. So the transcendent big picture um, invalidates the specific small picture. But if I am faithful with the small picture, the specific, I can actually do something to transcend it. So we talked about that. And then uh, for the most part, man, I just opened it up for questions and comments and people just ask me stuff all over the map. We talked about um, we talked about our current administration. We talked about Cardi B. Uh, we talked and, and Nicki, you know, Minaj. We, we talked about um, old school hip hop and um, and my chronological age. Um, and we talked about um, what does it be, what does it feel like to be a marginalized person? And so, part, you know, to, to speak specifically to your question, I want to establish a relationship that we can actually have the dangerous conversations in the context of safety where we feel like I can share my views, my thoughts, I can offer a question without feeling demonized, villainized, or, um, or minimized as a result of it. And, you know, as it relates to this morning, do you feel yeah. like that was successful? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great students. Um, uh, you know, I want to shout out to um, Bridget Aldrich who invited me for Power Hour at Rockford High today. Um, extraordinary students, man. They really, had some insightful things to to say and to ask and they were coming from their worldview that uh, you know not I would say that though there's a sense of maybe I want to expand my reality and my experience and my worldview and my cultural bandwidth if I can use that phraseology but how do I do that and we we talked about that too today in terms of addressing your relationships um, looking at your entertainment, looking at your information and knowledge that you bring inside, you know, yourself and what you experience. If you get outside of your, the, conf, the construct of your comfort zone, you can actually facilitate a different environment for yourself. So students were amazing. Um, I walked away feeling very encouraged. And, um, and though we got into some of the, you know, hot button areas, I think we did it in a way that people walked away feeling affirmed. Awesome. And, mm -hmm. you know, so moving on to yeah. the other part of your life, the yes. pastoral part yep. of your life, mm -hmm. you recently had a very similar conversation yes. in your congregation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what was the nexus of, you know, talking about race and culture mm -hmm. as it relates to Christianity and, yeah. and how do you feel that went? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it went great. And, um, you know, thanks for, you know, being a part of that. It was obviously a very significant part of that discussion in terms of helping it happen. I think it went well. I think that, you know, unfortunately in a faith context, we sometimes have this cushy, um, uh, Pollyanna um, mindset where we come into communities of faith and we're affected by all the crazy stuff that's going on in our world, but we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to address it. We don't want to point at it. When it's affecting our relationships, affecting um, you know, our real life groups or our small groups or our discussion or evangelism outreach or whatever. And so what we want to make sure that we do is that um, where it feels like we're in a season where um, the name of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus being co-opted, um, we want to make sure that we're walking the Jesus pathway in a way that affirms all people, no matter what your background is, whether your, um, you know, theological reality, you know, Jesus has called us to, um, to be an example, 
um, to love, to be his hands and his feet in, in, in our world. And we want to make sure that we do that in a life-giving way. And so we felt like it was important here at Tribes for us to reemphasize um, one of the core vision principles that uh, makes us, you know, who we are and who we aspire to be. And also this past weekend, so, so for some context, this is being yeah. recorded in late January when you're going to be hearing it in February, but yeah. there was an event yes. that happened this past week on Friday mm -hmm. uh, for the, the March for Life. Yes. And out of that came a news event that yes. appeared to be one thing mm -hmm. on Saturday, yes. appeared to pivot on Sunday, mm -hmm. and then became something entirely different on Monday. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you and I, you know, wh why I'm bringing this up is because you and I texted back and forth mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. our emotions changed yeah. with mm -hmm. this story. Yeah. And so when we're talking about race and we're talking about mm -hmm. culture and we're attempting to understand two truths, mm -hmm. things like that terrify mm -hmm. me because everybody got taken for a ride. Yes. Everybody did. And if, if you didn't, I would say that you're probably not being truthful to yourself. Mm -hmm. Everybody got taken for a ride no matter what. By mm. you're a zero or a yeah. one, right? Yeah. You all uh -huh. got taken for uh -huh. a ride. And why that terrifies me and why I want to kind of ask mm -hmm. you about this is like, how does somebody start to expand their cultural horizons or racial horizons or entertainment inputs when mm. the things that you're supposed to trust mm -hmm. universally told you something that wasn't actually true? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. MSNBC and CNN and Fox News three different, you know, mm -hmm. spheres of the spectrum mm -hmm. told you something that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, uh, and we don't need to get into specifics because yeah. I, I obviously don't want to pick yeah. sides. That doesn't seem yeah. very productive. But yeah. as a whole, mm -hmm. journalism failed us. Yeah. So I think um, there was a, a, a training I do um, called um, where I talk about what I call third chair leadership. So I tell a story about when I was 17 years old and I was hit by a truck. It was, I was hit and run. Uh, it was a really, really bad deal. But, um, you know, by the grace of God, um, I was fine. And so I told the story and I changed the vantage point of the story being told. So generally when I, t I, I for years that I told the story, I would always tell it from the standpoint of me being the central character. I was on the bike. I got hit. Okay, um, it was bad. Someone took off after they hit me, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought, man, what would the story be like if I told it from the vantage point or I shifted the perspective from the person looking out the window who helped me? So it was me. I got hit by a truck. Um, a person was looking out the window, actually helped me um, and called 911 and all of that. But then I thought about the story from the vantage, person, vantage point of the person in the truck. What were they going? Why were they rushing? Were they rushing? Uh, maybe they had a second job. Maybe they had a third job. Maybe there was something really bad that was going on. Maybe um, they had a crisis in their family. And so as I began to look at it from a different vantage point, I created, I felt empathy for that person. And what's sad about it is that person doesn't know if that kid that they hit that day survived. And here I am, you know, many years later, and so when you go back to the situation that happened on Friday, there were different vantage points in which that story was being told. And so if that vantage point affirmed your bias coming in, then you grabbed a hold of it without asking a secondary question of what is the story behind the story. Uh, ironically, that 
scenario we talked about that a little bit during class today and i and one of the things i do sometimes is i try to reverse or try to mess with the characters of the story like i did in my personal situation what if the person in the car what if we tell from that standpoint do we have empathy compassion and what have you but in terms of the situation that happened on friday i said well would we feel the same if the characters were different so let's just say that the people that were shouting at the boys in particular the students um initially what if they weren't black? What if they were a different background? What if they had a different um, culture? Would we feel the same or would we feel different? Um, would we feel the same if um, the, the kids that were wearing the red hats were wearing hoodies? Would we feel different? If, we, if the person that was banging the drum um, and a Vietnam veteran, what if that Vietnam veteran was Caucasian and he was waving a flag? Would we feel the same? Would we feel different? And those are things that we have to sit there and adjust and say, okay, how would I feel about that? But I think that, you know, uh, we live in a very polarized reality and that polarization isn't just our discussions or our reality is what happens online and what happens on the news, what happens to the, the, the political pundits and, and um, uh, in talking heads. And so we have to be, I think, media literate to recognize that in many cases, people are giving not just their version of the truth, but their, their interpretation of the truth or their declaration of what they want to be true. So it isn't just, I see something happen, I'm an in, I'm, this is my version of it, it isn't just I'm interpreting the truth. This, in this case, we are now pronouncing and declaring what is true. Yes, but in this particular case, yeah. you know, or I, my perception of what is true. But in this particular case, and I will, you know, agree with you that media mm. literacy is something that everybody could up their game yeah, at. Yeah. In this particular case, that wouldn't have helped you. That's because true. media told one story. Yeah, you're right. You're you right. know, and that that's the part that's that's terrifying, mm -hmm. right? Because it, as people are trying to make the world a better place, mm -hmm. right? You talked about the transcendent versus mm -hmm. specific. Yeah. You know, another way to put it is you are most affected by those who are geographically close to you, right? Mm -hmm. You can affect your neighbors mm -hmm. and your community more so mm -hmm. than you can affect Washington mm -hmm. in, in your scenario, yeah. right? Like if you want to start with Washington, it's yeah. going to be a long walk, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But if you start with your next door mm -hmm. neighbor, you might get there. Yeah, exactly. It's harder to do that though if the narrative being told nationwide is from a perspective that you can't actually tell what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Because the, the part that I thought was interesting is no one's going back to watch the whole two hours. Mm -hmm. You're right. Nobody is. Mm -hmm. And so there are people that as they will hear this in February still mm -hmm. believe Friday's version of the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we don't, we, we, even to go all the way back to the 1900s and up mm -hmm. till, like, we don't read the corrections in the newspaper, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We don't go back and revisit mm -hmm. a story. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, as we're talking about race and culture on this very mm -hmm. important month of the year, mm -hmm. when we need to focus on it year round, but this is where we start those conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm wondering in your mind, what does media literacy look like when you don't, you can't actually tell the difference between what is true and what is false? Hmm. That's great. I guess what I try to do I don't, I try to ask the question, what is the story behind the story? And I'm, I'm very anti demonizing and dehumanizing. So anything that goes into a space where that's happening, I try to check my own heart and my own biases at the, um, the proverbial door. And so, um, 
when it comes to you know the students in the red hats it's like okay this is proof of x y and z um but is there something more to the story and even if they're wrong does our piling on be, make us right and so um you know i know that we're not you know delineating the the components of the story so much is I just think that it's important for us to realize the big picture. The big picture is we want to live in a beautiful world, a healthy society, and a flourishing, um, you know, reality from a domestic standpoint. If I tear down my brother um, in a way that my brother can't recover, how does that make it better for me? And so um, you and I are, are film guys, man. And so I'm reminded of a quote um, in the movie Remember the Titans where Denzel Washington playing Herman Boone says, um, if I hate my brother with malice in my heart. And so it's like at the end of the day, if we don't change, we destroy ourselves and nobody wins. And so I think one of the unfortunate things that are happening in our current you know, space um, is it's everybody else's fault. Um, and we're not leaning in together. Um, it's, you know, the right, it's the left, it's the this, it's the that, it's the Democrats, it's the Republicans, it's the liberals, it's conservatives. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, man, if, um, if I have malice in my heart to my brother and my sister, and my whole goal is to blame shift, um, to destroy them with my words and my behaviors, you know, how does that make us better? I think it makes us worse. And so, you know, let's kind of put a bow on this yeah. um, and, and kind of talk a little bit about this month. And, and to you, Julian, what is what is significant to you in Black History Month? And mm -hmm. if, if somebody is hearing this for the first time mm -hmm. and maybe stumbles on this podcast and, yeah. and is interested, like mm -hmm. to you, a black man in the United States, what mm -hmm. does Black History Month mean to you and why is it important? Mm -hmm. I think it's important. Um, so I'll say, first of all, it's important because it provides a space to have discussions, conversations that we should already be having. So the president of Black History Month um, is a wonderful thing. Um, what I'd like to tell people is, you know, black history is American history. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, because we have a month, we have some other things that these, this is kind of set aside. You know, black history is American history. But the reason why I think it's important is because it gives us the opportunity, even though what I just explained was the case, we're maybe not having the conversation that we are having if we don't provide emphasis on the um, black, you know, writers and um, artists and uh, doctors and inventors and the people that help create this reality that we exist in today called America and even going beyond the American story, you know, some of the contributions that were made even globally. And so it's important because I, I, we get the opportunity to you know, read some of those stories and experience some of those realities. And, and, um, for, uh, you know, young, you know, black kids, man, um, it's an opportunity to be celebrated in a way that, you know, media and literature in so many ways, um, says that you're less than. Um, but I, I think it's also important for all of us, you know, whether you be, 
you know, uh, Latino or being Caucasian or, you know, you, you um, originate from the continent of, of Asia and other in places in Europe is that this is something, man, that all of us need to lean into in the same way that we, pro- we, we need to learn about, you know, Lincoln or Abraham, I mean, uh, Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, man, we need to learn. Um, about some of these illuminaries that aren't just Rosa Parks and not just Dr. King. And let's talk about, you know, Medgar Evers. Let's talk about Malcolm X. You know, let's talk about, um, you know, some of these uh, innovators and creatives that um, that have helped make America um, what America is today. And so how do you, like, let's let's circle back to one of yeah. your, your favorite things to talk about, yeah. you know, because you talk about all these luminaries that people mm-hmm. should be introduced to or mm-hmm. experiment with. And, yeah. and pop culture does some very fascinating things in this space, specifically mm-hmm. as of the last mm-hmm. 12 months, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you have Black Panther yeah. and you have Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. right? Yeah. What is a good way for though those two pieces of media though to introduce you a little bit deeper into mm-hmm. black history and American mm-hmm. history, right? Yeah. Because black Panther is amazing. It's obviously mm-hmm. the first superhero movie nominated for an yeah. Oscar, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the, I think it's the number one nod for this year's Oscars, right? Yeah. So all of those things are great. Yeah. But what's next? Yeah. I think, um, that's, that's a great question. I think what it does, let's say I'm a person that doesn't know anything about this stuff. I watched Black Panther, um, you know, Wakanda Forever. I watched, you know, Miles, you know, Morales and the Spider-Verse. I think what it does is I think it humanizes, um, you know, people that are different than you. I think it, um, it's like, hey, I want to know about who wrote this movie. You know, um, we had Ruth Carter, who was a costume designer for, um, for Black Panther that was here in the city last Friday. And I had the opportunity to go see her at, at Calvin College in their January series. And it's like... There's this African-American woman who has worked on, you know, so many films, Spike Lee stuff. She's done all this stuff. She's doing Black Panther. And it's like, yes, you know. And so I think that, you know, black history isn't just uh, an alignment or an awareness of the struggle. And I think that's part of it. But I think it's a celebration of the beauty. And and that, you know, when you look at the African-American experience, you look at, you know, um, whether it be, you know, Alvin Ailey and, you know, and dance or, you know, Ruth Carter, whether it's Spike Lee, James, you know, Baldwin. Uh, James Baldwin, um, you know, in, in the movie, um, if Bill Street can talk, just came out, it's a beautiful film. And so it's like, let's do that. You know, let's, let's, let's talk about, and let's show this amazing, uh, this amazing and beautiful and powerful culture that has influenced the world, you know, in every way fashion, leadership, um, you know, music, you know, um, it's just, it's just a beautiful thing, man. And so I I would say for people that would look at those films or experiencing those, those art forms, Hey man, um, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and take a ride, you know, take a ride and, um, and leap into it because there's so much, um, wealth and richness, that can be derived by leaning into that heritage. All right, my friend, if people want to get a hold yeah. of you, what's the best way for them to find oh. you and start a conversation? Hey, listen, man, they could uh, reach out to me on, on, on Facebook. I'm Julian Newman. They could hit me up on Instagram. Um, I think it's Julian uh, S. Newman. 
um, and they could hit me up on my um, consultancy culturecreative.org um, if they want to have a conversation or even shout out and maybe I can help their organization uh, be even more amazing. Thank you, my friend. All right. Hey, thanks, man.